You are going to love this episode of the Quilter on Fire podcast. If you love quilting and animals and gorgeous color and composition, the way these incredible mosaic style quilts come together is just astonishing. On today's episode, you'll meet award-winning quilter, Tim Natar. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore the stories of teachers, speakers, artists, and everyday quilters to share their tips, tricks, adventures, and day-to-day life that will bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the quilting studio. I'm your host, Brandy Maslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share with you this week's episode. So, here we go. Welcome to episode 37 of the Quilter on Fire podcast with my guest, Tim Natar. The thing that drew me to Timna's work is her incredible use of color. And it's not just the choices of color, it's her use of value. If you scroll through the gallery on her website, you will be blown away. It's like eye candy or animal candy. Well, either way, it's all good. (laughs) It's really, really gorgeous. You have to check out her gallery. Today, we'll talk about her work and her process. She is an award-winning quilter who's been featured in exhibits, magazines, books, as well as on The Quilt Show and Quilting Arts TV. She's a fabric designer and popular teacher, and I can't wait to share her story, her travels, her favorite moments, what she's up to now, and so much more. Timna, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandy. I'm very happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I like to start off by getting into your story. So can you tell us a little bit about your quilting story? What inspired you to make your first quilt? So I grew up with quilters. My mom's quilter, my grandma's quilter, blah, blah, blah. But my ex-husband wanted to make a quilt to hang in his eighth grade classroom. He taught eighth grade math. And so he thought it'd be a great geometry project. And so we started making a quilt together and he lost interest right away, but I was hooked. Like I was hooked on quilting and we got divorced shortly thereafter, but I kept the quilt and I kept quilting and it was well worth the, I don't know what the word is, but it was well worth it to get going into the quilting world. I did not tell my mom when I made that first quilt, because I didn't want her to think I might be interested in quilting. So I waited until after the quilt top was finished before I showed her what I was doing. So is your mom a quilter? Yeah, she is. Oh, that's great. And so what made you gravitate towards it? I know he wanted to do the project, but, you know, it could have been like a lot of classrooms have a quilt with paper squares with, you know, what made you want to do an actual quilt? Oh, it was totally his idea. I had no interest. I had learned to sew as a kid and I you know, quilting was always around. I had always garments, made garments, but I hated it. I've learned I'm a two-dimensional person, not a three-dimensional person. And yeah, he wanted to do it. And I was, I was game to try. And so that, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't interested. (laughs) Well, that's kind of cool. Even though he's not in your life anymore, there was kind of that accidental magic where he got you into quilting and here you go. So, and you have a beautiful name, but I've never heard it before. Where did Timna come from? It's an old Hebrew name. It's a a Jewish name. And um, Timna is in Genesis of so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. Timna the concubine. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's also a place in Israel. There's a copper mine called Timna Copper Mine. Oh, it's such a beautiful name. So do you balance a career in quilting or was there sort of a transitional phase in your life when you moved to full-time quilting or... Yeah, for a long time I was a long armor. And so I long armed half the day and had a 
job with health insurance the other half of the day. And then after my daughter, I think it was about the time my daughter was born, I started quilting full time. Oh, that's so great. So where do you live in the world and what style of quilting do you do? I'm in Western Massachusetts in the United States, and I think I bridge traditional and modern pretty well. I like both styles and do them all. That's awesome. So what draws you to sort of that contemporary mix of quilting style? Oh, I, because I really love the tradition of quilt making, and I get inspired by old quilts. That's really where my inspiration comes from. But I love what modern quilters are doing, and that's more my aesthetic, like kind of in the rest of my life. So I like bridging those two things. Yeah. I don't ever, I always just say I'm a quilter. I never distinguish. Yeah. Well, your quilts are gorgeous. And especially, we're going to talk a little bit later about the color of your quilts because I'm drawn to that. It just blows me away. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your quilting journey a little bit more. So you did long arm quilting for over a decade. So how has your quilting business changed over the years? Oh, it feels like my quilting business changes about every two years. So I, I long-armed for about 15 years, and then I got, I was burnt out, and it was hard on my body. Like My body hurt all the time. So I quit long-arming and started teaching. I had never wanted to teach, but, you know, I kept getting asked, and then I found I really enjoyed it, and I liked it, and I learned a lot. I sell quilts. Right now, most of my income is through teaching. But the business changes, you know, in 2020, everything had to pivot from being traveling and being live teacher to, to going online. Online and on demand. Yeah. And we're going to talk about your on demand courses. I can't wait. And color is so integral to your design. Just looking through your gallery, it's like, it's eye candy, really. The visual balance in your quilts is kind of astonishing. So tell me about your relationship with color in the creation process. I usually have a pattern in mind or a concept and then I make a rule and it's almost always a color rule. So it will be, you know, I'm going to only use pinks and greens. Once I've used all the pinks and greens in my stash, then I just expand my definition of what pink is. So, you know, pink moves into red and pink moves into orange, green moves into blue. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to do it. That's the basics. Yeah. It's kind of like challenging yourself to stick to a rule and, and make it gorgeous. That's right. Awesome. And when you have a rule, you have something to push up against. Like yeah. you have to be more creative if you're working within a box. Yeah, that's really great. And now I want to talk about your Noble Menagerie series. It's instantly recognizable. How did that idea come to you to start creating a series of animals? My grandmother had shown me a photo of my cousin's daughter and it was just really, really funny. And I wanted to figure out how to turn it into fabric. So I gridded it off and did two inches at a time and after I finished that first quilt I thought oh well let me do chickens because I love chickens and then I did a second one and after I did the second one I thought this has to be a full series so I decided then I would do 12 animals barnyard animals of the same technique that's what I did by number 11 I was kind of ready to be done but I did push through and get all 12 and I'm really happy yeah they're gorgeous and is there one that was kind of your favorite Oh, the rooster is my favorite. And her, his name's Mother Clucker, which <laughs> all the rest have other like royal kind of names, but not him. <laughs> and which one was the most difficult? Sheep, which was the last one because it's the one I kind of pushed off because it's really hard to get sheep texture, you know, all that wooly, curl, yeah. those curls. To- yeah, I would think it would be really hard to do a white animal or a black animal. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. 
So, I use lots and lots of different fabrics. So that's part of the thing is I use hundreds and different fabrics within a quilt so I can get some visual texture. Yeah. You must have a huge assortment of scraps. Yes, that, yeah. that I do. I don't <laughs> buy very much. I only buy a third or quarter yard of fabric at yeah. a time. Okay. So if everybody listening is wondering what I'm talking about, you just go to timnatar.com. So that's T-I-M-N-A-T-A-R-R.com and take a look at the gallery. You will be blown away. Now, I was looking at the entire animal series and all the gorgeous quilts in your gallery. You've been exhibiting your work for over 20 years. So what have been some of the highlights? First of all, I can't believe it's been 20. I never looked at that date. (laughs) That makes me feel old. Um, (laughs) Highlights. Well, I have to say the first time I won a prize at the Houston show at the International Quilt Festival, that was like life-changing in lots of different ways. Like not only did it change my quilting career, but it changed my perspective on the quilting world can be like a, a real job, you know, not yeah. just a fun thing to do on the side. So yeah. yeah, that really, that changed a lot of things for me. So how did that go down? So you entered the show, this is a big risk. It's a big, scary thing to enter a show, but how did they let you know? How did you find out? Oh, so they send you an email or now they're changing things. But at the time they sent an email and said, you won an award. We can't tell you which award it is, but you should probably be in Houston on such and such date. Oh, for the that's so exciting. Oh my gosh, I'd be on the next plane. And yeah. so which quilt won the award? It's a quilt called Oh Happy Day, which oh. a lot of people um, who know my work, that's the quilt that they, they know. If you got the Tuesday preview today that I sent out, that quilt, picture that quilt will be in that Tuesday preview. So everybody can check that out. And your map quilts are so visually appealing as well. I think because anyone who takes a workshop can create a vision of where they are from or perhaps where they've been somewhere. Or when did map making with fabrics happen for you? Like, how did that come about? Yeah, the first one I did, I think was in 2015, 2013. I'm not sure. I was curating an exhibit in the town next to me, actually in the same building where my studio is now. I was looking at a map of the town and it was just so graphically interesting. So I was like, oh, well, now I have to make a quilt of it because I don't know why, but that's what I did. So it got me on this rabbit hole of making lots and lots of map quilts. Yeah, and well, I, they're yeah. so meaningful, right? Right, and that's my favorite thing about the class when I teach it is that people tell their stories. You know, they say like, oh, this is where I grew up. This was my grandmother's house. This is where we vacation. And there's always lots of stories. So that's my favorite thing about it. Yeah. Now you touched on your studio. I would love to know what kind of studio do you have? Where is it? So it's in an old warehouse building in a mill city, you know, a city that has defunct mills. I have 700 square feet with big, huge windows. So it's like my dream. That was always a goal to have a studio space. Yeah. And I can shut the door and leave, which is Oh, that great. is awesome. <laughs> so describe it to us. What do you have there? And it's got big windows and lighting and everything. Yeah, I have big windows. I have my long arm is here. I have a couple of sewing machines set up, a cutting table, lots of storage shelves. So things can go, in theory, in theory I can put them away, but usually they're kind of spread out. And a couch and just space, big design wall space. Oh, that's awesome. And are you, you know, once people are teaching live again, are you able to teach there? Is it big enough to have classes? It is. And I, that's why I got it because it was big enough. But it turns out I really like it just being my own space and I don't really want to share it. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Now, we don't want to talk about every quilt you've ever made because you have an amazing trunk show. But which quilt of all of the quilts you've ever made are you the most proud of? Oh, my goodness. 
Well, Oh Happy Day, I think, because it was really changed the way I think about quilts and the way I lay quilts out. So that, you know, really changed things. And proud of, I don't, I don't know. I'm always looking to do something different. So I'm never totally satisfied. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. You know, it's incredible. Just looking at your backdrop today, we'll see that in the video. Uh, the, the quilts on your gallery, every single quilt you've made is something to be proud of. So again, if you want to go back and look at Timna's website, I'll just say it again, timnatar.com. I was astonished by the website actually, because the pictures, the photos on the website are perfectly square. They're well lit. They're all in the gallery. And they're all like on this gray backdrop. Do you have any tips for quilters who are trying to photograph their quilts? Yeah, hire a photographer because <laughs> I have no interest in learning how to photograph quilts and buy the cameras. I don't care. So I have a great photographer. He's local and he's a, you know, he's worldwide known for his own artwork, but he specializes in photographing artists' work. So yeah. Well, that's it's great well advice. Worth it to me. That's great advice, actually. If you're starting to show your quilts or if you're going to have a gallery on a website and that, it's good to invest. It's a great, great idea to invest in a photographer. So we've already mentioned this a little bit, but 2020 has been a strange year for everyone. <laughs> so how has your business shifted during the pandemic? It shifted to, I put on-demand classes online and I started doing Zoom trunk shows. I was traveling a lot. I was traveling several times a month. That stopped. So my business, you know, I had to pivot quickly as we all, you know, everybody did. So that changed. I wasn't as productive making my own work as I had been in previous years, even though I had a lot more time. And I think that's just like life was chaotic. So I couldn't focus. So in your quilting world, what brings you the most joy? Playing with fabrics, playing with color, hanging yes. out with my quilting friends. You know, those are all the things I love. Yeah. Me too. So we're going to take a quick break for a commercial or two. And after that, we'll talk about Timna's quilt travels. Northcott Fabrics are famous to quilters for their Stonehenge and O Canada collections. Right here on the podcast, we give away fabric from Northcott Collections, Banyan Boutiques, and Figo Fabrics. Look for all of these at your local quilt shop. Northcott, cottons that feel like silk. And if you head on over to my YouTube channel to watch the trailer, you'll see what I'm wearing. Sass Boutique, with stores in Summerland and Penticton, BC, has stepped up to the challenge of dressing me in style for the podcast trailers. This super comfy merino wool knitwear by Merino Mink in New Zealand is made with the finest materials and each garment is hand finished. It's available from Sass Boutique. If you love this sweater, you can pick up the phone and call Sass Boutique to order it today at 250-494-1677. Sass Boutique an excellent selection of contemporary and classic women's boutique style clothing. And we're back with our guest, Tim Natar. And if you haven't checked out her website, go to timnatar.com to see her gallery and everything she has to offer. So Timna, you have traveled the world quilting. Have there been any favorite destinations or highlights? Well, the greatest one was I got an artist residency in the Bahamas for a week. And oh. I couldn't really even bring fabric because the limitations on the suitcases was so small. So I just brought little tiny pieces of fabric and a needle and thread and I sewed not at all. As a result, I took a lot of photographs and I've made several quilts, including two of the animals are from that experience. And I also got to hang out with Bahamian quilters, which was also really, really fun. You know, we had a day of, of sewing and doing, making little maps. Yeah, that's really cool. And how long were you there for? For a week. Oh, that sounds so great. 
And you have four on-demand workshops now, which means you sign up and it's videos and you can take it at your own pace, right? And watch it again and again if you want to. So which class is your most popular and which is your absolute favorite to teach? Oh, Stitch Mosaics is my most popular for sure. It's the animal technique. Yeah, that one's definitely the most popular. Maps is the second most popular. And that one I like to teach because I like to hear, I always like to hear the stories. You know, I want to hear why people are making the map that they made and they can, you can upload the photos and have chats within the, within the course, which is great. Yeah, that sounds so fun. I can just imagine students either, you know, mapping out their childhood home or the greatest trip they ever had or something like that. And stitched mosaics actually looks like my, it would be my favorite. I think I would love to take that one. So, and you also have two virtual lectures. So what are those called? Yeah. And I'm adding a third one soon. I have a trunk show called Flying Colors, which is basically my quilting journey, but I talk about my design process and color ideas. And then I have one called Repeating Patterns, which is, I take, uh, so I grew up with quilters and quilts. So I take the old quilts and show you how I've remade them or how they've influenced my work now. And the third one is a lecture I did at QuiltCon this year, and it's called What Ifs Working in a Series. So it's about why you should work in a series. What does, what are the benefits? What, why would you even think about doing that? So the, yeah, that's what I'm adding in soon. Yes. And I think we should all consider our art quilts, fine art. There's so many gorgeous quilts out there and they belong in the art world. So after teaching and lecturing so much, are you actually finding time to quilt for yourself? Yeah, I've actually had a lot of time and not a lot of inspiration at the moment, but time. And so I just keep sewing. And I, what I've been doing is sewing quilts that I'm going to donate to my local hospice. You know, just sew. And as I sew, I get ideas and I'm just, just working because that's where the ideas come from. For me, that's where the ideas come from. Oh, that's great. And what's on your design wall right now? Well, behind me is a sample for a class I'm getting ready to put up online called Strip Sandwiches. And so it's just a easy way to ease yourself into some improv techniques and to play with color. Oh, that's great. It's beautiful. And so I'll put that in the podcast trailer for sure so everybody can see that. Now we're going to go into what I like to call the lightning round robin. It's a series of five or six rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Born ready. (laughs) Okay, good. So what is your favorite notion? Oh, right now it's my wool pressing mat. I love, love, love ironing on it. Okay. And who was your first creative or quilting inspiration in your life? Oh, my grandma. Yeah, my grandma Ortha was a quilter and she put weird color combinations together and we thought they were ridiculous. But now I see the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. (laughs) Well, that's so great. Who has been a major influence in your quilting along the way? Those unknown quilters. The old quilts are totally the thing that inspires me the most. So label your quilts so you're not unknown anymore. Oh, that's such a great tip. And what color do you choose most often when quilting? Teal blue. As you can probably see through the video, everything in my life is teal blue. (laughs) Aqua kind of color. Okay. Who have you loved making quilts for the most in your life? Oh, you know what? I just made a quilt for my best friend from college. And I have made her other quilts, you know, in the past. But she specifically asked me to make a quilt for her around Christmas time. So I made a pretty simple quilt, but I picked all of the novelty fabrics that reminded me of her. So, you know, things with like books on it and cooking utensils. And it was so much fun just to make a fun quilt and not stress about it for someone I really love. 
Oh, that's so great. And she reached out to you because she wanted a part of you and then you're giving her a part what you think of her. Oh, that's all great. Yeah. So what's your favorite snack in the quilting studio? Oh, I try not to keep very many snacks here. So I really just have like lunch things like can of soup, peanut butter and crackers, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I try not to keep any snacks here. Thank you so much for enduring the lightning round. That was fun. So we've mentioned your website a couple times, timnatar.com. It's pretty easy. So everyone can go there to see what you have to offer and your gorgeous gallery. But where's the best place for quilters to engage with you on social media? Oh, Instagram. And I'm at timnatar is my Instagram handle. That's where I hang out the most. Okay. And timnatar is spelled T-I-M-N-A-T-A-R-R. So you can find her there. And now I'm going to outline the contest giveaway. This week's prize is fat quarters from Tim Natar's new fabric line with Studio E called Noble Menagerie. So I want to talk about that now. So tell us about this fabric line and how did it come about? What's the design process? I want to know everything about it. There's a theme here. Like <laughs> I never wanted to do this and I did it. I never thought about designing fabric, but I was approached by Studio E and they asked me if I was interested and I went to the meeting just to see what they had to say. It was great. So what the, basically what it is, is they took my animal quilts and they're making them into panels and to in a little three inch squares of each little animal. And then we talked about what kind of fabrics they use and came up with some coordinating prints that go with it. And there's a map quilt in there that really took my work, translated it to fabric. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So what was it like? What was the design process like? So it sounds like they really loved your menagerie quilts and they wanted to design it around there. But did you have to like come up with th- anything on paper? Or did you just work with their design team and they came up with it? How did it work? I worked with their design team because I'm not... I'm not designing on the computer. Like, I know that's just not me. So I worked with them. I gave them my ideas. They gave me their ideas. It was a a lot of back and forth. But one thing I did do is there's a print in the collection of old newspaper ads. So I went through archives of newspapers and clipped ads, made a collage, and then they scanned that in and printed it in uh, on the fabric. And it's just like, that's my sense of humor. So it's like funny things I think are funny are in the newspaper ads. Maybe other people don't think they're funny, but that was fun to do. That's awesome. I really like that idea. I can't wait to see that fabric. And I'm so excited that you're giving some of it away. That's so generous of you. Thank you so much. So Timna, as we wrap up, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? Just keep working. Like, it doesn't matter. Just sew. You don't have to make a masterpiece. You don't have to make something to give away. You don't even have to finish. Just keep practicing and sewing. Oh, that's such a great parting message. Thank you. So thanks, Timna, for being my guest today. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Oh, it's been so fun to have you. So that was my guest, Timna Tarr. I was really excited when my friend Michelle introduced me to Timna. I instantly recognized the quilts in her gallery, and I was so excited to meet her. And once we started chatting to plan and record this podcast, I felt like we've been friends for a while already. So I'm telling you, you just have to go to her website to take a close look at Noble Menagerie and all of her gorgeous quilts, and take a look at her classes as well, because they're on demand, and you can click and buy and take a few of those classes. But her use of value to portray those animals is something I could look at all day long. So go check it out. Now, are you loving this podcast? Take a moment right now to think of a friend who might love it too. 
I would be so thrilled if you would share this podcast or write a review on your podcast app. The kindest thing you can do to support a creator is to introduce them to your friends. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.